What's up, people? Another episode of Just for Sports. Jamoke Davis here, and we've got a great show for you today. It's Monday morning. I'm, I was trying not to get too fired up with Javi Baez and his thumbs down celebration, if you will, at the Mets fans who were booing the team. But that's just crazy. And I got to get something off my chest about that. U.S. Open starts today. Is Novak Djokovic the greatest of all time? Will he win the U.S. Open? And can Naomi Osaka rebound after not winning the gold medal at the Olympics? and really sending her career and mental health in a tailspin after winning her first U.S. Open Grand Slam title against Serena Williams in what was the most dramatic, dramatic final ever in my mind. If you want to go back, you can listen to my Thursday podcast with Washington Post Ava Wallace. We, gave, we did a U.S. Open preview and picked our winners for the U.S. Open, which starts today. Um, as I'm recording this, it starts in about an hour and a half at noon. But we also have Matt Fortuna of The Athletic. He's a college football writer. And I wanted to get his thoughts on the Pac-12 ACC Big Ten Alliance and his thoughts on the name image likeness as Things have kind of settled down and players have gotten this deal and that deal. But the fact that name image likeness was supposed to be about the NCAA and already it's affecting high school sports. So I talked to him about that coming up. But first we're going to start with Javi Baez. There is one thing when you are upset about fans booing you. I get it. I get it. No one likes that. You know, I've seen all of the things on Twitter where it was like, oh, but hey, you know, on on both sides. Oh, you would like it if you were booed at work. What if people came to your work and booed you when you did something wrong? I don't like it. I kind of boo everybody. In a way, fans, sometimes they're doing something wrong, something I don't like. Referees, players. I do get Javi Baez's side of, quote, we're not machines. We're going to struggle seven times out of ten. It just feels bad when I strike out and get booed. It doesn't really get to me, but I want to let them know that when we're successful, we're going to do the same thing to let them know how it feels, end quote. I don't understand how Javier Baez could think that giving a thumbs down to fans when he does something successful is good for baseball, good for the Mets, good for him. It's not good for anybody, and it backfired quickly. The Mets put out a statement. They said they're going to talk to Javi Baez too. Mets President Sandy Alderson said in a statement, said, quote, 
These comments and any gestures by him and other players with a similar intent are totally unacceptable and will not be tirated, to, excuse me, tolerated. Mets fans are understandably frustrated over the team's recent performance. The players in the organization are equally frustrated, but fans at City Field have every right to express their own disappointment. Booing is every fan's right. Booing is every fan's right. Francisco Lindor, Kevin Pillar. I mean, in my mind, I don't know how these players can even stay on the Mets team. This simple thumbs-down gesture is going to fracture the relationship between the players and the fans. You got to get them out of there. Because the fans are never going to forget this. I mean, you had a cornerstone player in the Mets organization in Francisco Lindor. There was an excitement about him playing for the Mets. I mean, what are you going to do now? It's his first season with the Mets. And already it's like, no, dude. We don't want you on our team. Yeah, fans, boo, you've been dealing with it forever. And this is what you do? Okay, maybe they're going to come out and say, hey, we apologize. But you're going to make the fans boo even more. They should boo them even more now. We all can do stupid things. But this may be at the top of... Top of the list. Outside of, so I guess it's not at the top of the list. If you think about like what happened in Malice at the Palace, yeah, getting into a physical altercation with fans, going in the stands. That's bad. Twitter beef, okay, that's bad. This is right up there. And how quickly it took off, especially in the New York media. It's just not a smart decision. Now, I'd be curious to see the ripple effects if all of a sudden Francisco Lindor is no longer on the Mets. Javi Baez, after this season, hey, we're going to have to let you go. I mean, Francisco Lindor just signed a 10-year ridiculous 300 and $40 million contract? And already he could be done? I mean, I'm probably exaggerating. Maybe they're going to find a way to patch things up. But if I'm the fan, I'm never forgetting it. I'm never forgetting it. What I also will never forget are the, I pine for the golden days of the Big East. It's never going to be the same. And once the Pittsburgh Panthers joined the ACC, it was new. It's just never quite the same for me. But it is what it is. And we come back.
I'll be talking to Matt Fortuna of The Athletic about this alliance. No signed agreement, just an alliance. Just three commissioners looking themselves in the eye saying, we're going to do this. Pac-12, Big Ten, ACC with Matt Fortuna at The Athletic coming up on Just for Sport. All right, joining me now is my good friend, Matt Fortuna of The Athletic. He covers college football. And, of course, we got to have him on to talk about the craziness that is the alliance between the Pac-12, ACC, and Big Ten. Matt, how are you doing? And this probably made for the greatest introduction and all along with name image and likeness going into a college football season you have to be excited i i couldn't be better jay i'm happy that the season and uh, knock on wood hopefully a normal season with fans and tailgates is finally back i can't wait to hit the road again this weekend and check out a couple games and um yeah it was i mean not much of an off season right i mean as much as we uh waited with bated breath to get to the starting line here this week um between conference realignments uh, between NIL, between so many other things that had happened off the field, it made for an offseason like no other, and hopefully we'll have a season like no other in the next couple of days. Now, I read your article about this alliance, and first, before we talk about the alliance, let's talk about what the SEC did in shocking everybody and getting Oklahoma and Texas to join does that make the Big 12, I mean, is it going to break up even more and no longer be a conference? It's a good question. I'm not sure what's going to happen with the, the remaining eight, the irate eight, as they've affectionately become known here <laughs> in the last month or so. Uh, my colleagues at The Athletic have reported that they are exploring expansion and BYU would be a top target if that is the case. Um, but, but I think in order to expand, you kind of need everyone remaining to be all in in your conference. And I, you know, I, I think every, it's every man for himself right now after what happened uh, with Texas, Oklahoma. So I think those schools that are still in that conference are, are, are looking to see if there are any other options out there. It does not appear to be the case. Big Ten's not going to expand uh, the PAC 12 announced they're not going to expand. And I don't think the ACC would want any of those remaining eight teams um, because they wouldn't bring all that much money to their conference. So they're trying to figure out what the best, course of action is here um, to, to, to position themselves individually as schools in the best possible position. Um, I think eventually they probably expand. I think they've got a lot of money coming their way in the next couple of years between exit fees and lawsuits and all the other bad blood that uh, Texas, Oklahoma are leaving behind. Um, so I, th I think it's kind of in a hurry up and wait mode right now. They're all scrambling. They're all trying to figure out what to do. They'll probably add BYU and maybe another school just to, to act like they're doing something, but you, you need something to show that everyone in this conference is committed for the long term. And I don't know how you get to that point. How much of a free for? Yeah. And the problem for me is that you've got a, you've got two teams leaving a conference and you've got the big 12 complaining. And I've talked about this before with the ACC, um, and other conferences and, and teams leaving and coming and going. It's here you've got a school in Big 12, in the Big 12, a conference that's trying to basically poach other teams from their conference 
to come to the Big 12. So you're doing essentially what the SEC just did to you. And it's just all cyclical. And it's almost like after a while, as a fan, you almost don't care, let alone as a media representative, how to cover this and decide if, you know, it really is a bad thing for college football because everything's up in the air now. Yeah, you know, it really is cyclical. And there really is, I mean, they're all three parties in realignment, but 16 just the Big 12 openly announced they are auditioning for expansion. And they interviewed, I think, more than a dozen schools. And that put a tremendous amount of strain among all those group of five programs, particularly in the American Athletic Conference, who weren't sure what their conference or their future was going to look like. And at the end of the day, the Big 12 ended up doing absolutely nothing. But clearly, they would have done the same thing that the SEC just did if they were given such an opportunity. It's also pretty funny because uh, Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, was one of the architects of this proposed 12-team playoff structure. And there are a lot of people in college football saying, hey, maybe we should take another look at this. The guy who helped design this, this uh, format, this proposed format with 12 teams, um, he may have had an ulterior motive here because his conference was getting bigger and better without anyone knowing it at the time. And he probably just wants to stack the deck for the SEC. And Greg Sankey comes right out after and said, look, I said all along, like 14 playoff is good to the SEC. We've gotten multiple teams in, in a given year. Like we are just fine at four. So you guys are the ones who want it expanded. And now that we're getting better, you're saying, wait a minute. So, uh, you know, I know Greg Sankey's wearing the black hat right now. He's the villain. Um, he's the godfather, whatever you want to call him. He's just the smartest man in the moon room right now. And he's doing what every single person in a similar position would do. I mean, the big 10, really started realignment multiple times with Penn State in 1993, with Nebraska in 2010, and on and on. So I, I don't know if there's any like good versus bad or good versus evil going on here. I think it's business as usual. It's unfortunate that so many of the great rivalries and traditions uh, that we've come to appreciate over the years are, are being taken away and that a lot of this is taking the focus off the field, which should be a tremendous welcome back for college football. But, you know, it's business, and it, it, it didn't start – a month ago with Texas, Oklahoma, it's probably not going to end this past week with the announcing of the Alliance. I, I, I think this is just the way of the world right now. You know, you talk about the way of the world. You're saying it's just business. I don't know how you do business without a signed agreement. Again, as you mentioned in your article, the mm -hmm. three of the commissioners are all less than two years on the job. They've got something to prove. And that's in many ways why they're willing to rock the boat here but you seemed a little skeptical in the article, but willing to, to let kind of like ride this out. Let's see where this goes. Yes. Yeah, no, exactly what you said. I mean, no signed contract. Like what, like, what does that mean? Like a gentleman's agreement. That sounds great in theory. Um, this is also the same industry college sports that requires high school athletes to sign a letter of intent <laughs> to commit to play to the school and to follow <laughs> all these rules. And, and just saw, the SEC backstab the Big 12 and take its two biggest money makers who were under contract with the Big 12 for four more years. Um, I don't know how this works. I don't. I think it was a nice kind of public gesture and show of support to kind of calm anxiety around the country to tell everyone we're working together. We've got this. Um, but I mean, I, I, you know, if, if any one of those three conferences had the opportunity to poach a member of the other conference and make their conference stronger, I don't think any of them would hesitate to do that. And I will give them the benefit of the doubt 
in the sense that these are the three newest commissioners among the Power Five uh, conferences. None of them have been in their position for longer than two years. Two of them just got to their position this year. Jim Phillips of the ACC and George Klyavkov of the Pac-12. So may maybe they do want to try something different and charter a new course for college athletics. We'll see. I mean, the, the guys who ended up causing a lot of this mess, Bob Bowles, Big 12, and Greg Sankey, the SEC, are the two longest tenure commissioners. And it seemed like business as usual for them. They, you know, one of them backstabbed the other, took his teams. The other one cried foul, threatened to sue ESPN. And we started this whole mess that we're in right now. So maybe these guys do have good intentions behind their, their announcing of alliance. I just don't really know what it all means if there's no sign agreement and if, you know, it's kind of business as usual from here on out. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned also in your article, one of the key figures in this isn't the NCAA or the conferences, but what are, what will ESPN and Fox be willing to allow these conferences to have these games and tweaking the agreement that's already in place for the Pac-12, ACC, and, and Big Ten. So the networks really can dictate how well and how fast this alliance can come into play. Absolutely. I thought out of all the things that were said last week during the unveiling of this alliance, I thought a lot of it was a bunch of word salad about commitment and look at each other and so forth. I did think Pac-12 Commissioner George Klavkov made an interesting point when he brought up publicly that, hey, um, we're at nine conference games right now in the Pac-12, which makes it very schedule non-conference games, especially when those games are already scheduled so far out. He goes, I would explore moving to eight conference games, but that would require our media partners, ESPN and Fox, before our contract expires in the next three or four years. And we would need a collaborative for them. And he said, I would argue with them that, we would be worth more. We'd be more valuable as a conference with inventory if we went to one fewer conference game and replace that conference game with everyone playing a team from the ACC or the Big Ten. Um, and, and that's interesting to hear that brought up publicly and to hear the new commissioner of the Pac-12 say that and knowing that he's in alliance with the ACC, which has a terrible TV deal that has them locked in through 2036. And the ACC will do absolutely anything right now to modify that deal, get out of that deal, do something to potentially increase the revenue distribution to their schools. And if the Pac-12 is going to use this alliance as a way to get out of that, um, to get out of their deal, maybe that lays the groundwork for, for uh, the ACC to, to start some renegotiations with ESPN and to maybe put themselves in a better position financially. Because right now they're five out of five. And it's not even close. Like they are in real, real tough straits, dire straits financially. Yeah. This sounds so much like college, the college basketball ACC Big Ten Challenge. I'm just like, okay, you'll just <laughs> play another game. The one thing that we that I have not heard you say, and I feel like they are getting farther and farther away from having any control over college football just alone, but the rest of college sports, we haven't even brought up the NCAA. Like they have no power no way of controlling what is happening with the conferences and what school is leaving. I feel like this is kind of like the end of the NCAA when you also think about what's going on with name, image, and likeness. It's definitely a, a pivotal moment in, in that organization's history. We saw Mark Emmert, the uh, NCAA president, come out or so ago and say, yeah, maybe things got a little too big for us to handle. Maybe there should be alternatives that should be explored. And I think 
that, along with the announcing a couple of weeks ago of, of the NCA forming a constitutional committee to essentially possibly chart a new course for, for college sports governance. Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner, is on that 22-person committee. I think those two comments with the addition of this alliance might be like the, the turning point of, of, okay, what are we doing here? What do we actually need here? The NCA, they're good at like what they were like set out to do a hundred years ago, like to run championships and tournaments. I mean, March Madness is probably the greatest American sporting event there is. And if, you know, for, for hypothetical sake, if the power five were to break off and go their own way, that would be my biggest concern is what happens in the basketball tournament. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think this alliance with 41 schools among three conferences, with Jim Phillips being a part of that, could, could consolidate power, could make this, this group, these three conferences, strong together as part of a voting block, new legislation, a new governance pass, and the NCAA takes a step back. I think we're still a long way from that point. Nothing gets done quickly in college sports, especially when it comes to the NCAA. But certainly there is a growing sense of fatigue and a sense of what are we doing here or what are they doing here when it comes to the NCAA, especially after this. And it also seems like, uh, for better or for worse, one school always comes up. They are a thorn in college football side, but really much more the ACC in college football, Notre Dame. Why and when will they ever decide, okay, fine, we'll join the ACC? And it doesn't seem like that's ever going to happen, but it also seems like they're going to end up in some ways being the only independent left in college football in, at that level. I know that there are other schools that are independents, but Notre Dame is Notre Dame. And it just seems like at some point, even the commissioners are going to have to say, Notre Dame, you got to join with us at some point or another. Do you think you see that in the near future? I knew we wouldn't get through this. You know it. You know it, right? Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I didn't mean. I didn't mean to cut you off there. I was gonna say I knew we couldn't get through the segment without bringing them up. I mean, <laughs> they are they're part of the ACC when it comes to this alliance, so they're in a good spot. And I, you know, I mean, they leave money on the table by being independent, but they sacrifice that for prestige and distinction and really freedom, which now more than ever seems to be very, very valuable. I mean. Until this alliance was announced, you know, Texas, Oklahoma leave the Big 12 for the SEC. And there, every single school in the country that's part of a conference has dealt a tremendous amount of anxiety because they, they are all looking for better options. If there are better options, they're all wondering what their commissioners and presidents are going to do to make their conferences stronger. And they just don't know what the future holds. Whereas their name, they didn't need to worry about any of that. They've got their own independent football TV contract. They've got their Olympic sports in the ACC. They're fine. They're good. And I think they decided to flex a little bit shortly after that expansion announcement by saying, hey, our home opener um, against Toledo this year on September 11th is going to be on Peacock Premium, which mm -hmm. means you have to pay to watch it. Now, whether that's the future of Notre Dame football and college football in general, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a fascinating real-time experiment to see how many people will sign up to watch a home opener, albeit against a team that's that probably not all that competitive against them in Toledo. But it, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. The other thing, and I, you touched on this a little bit, I mean, I think the only thing that would force them to join a conference full-time in football is if they were denied access to a national championship. This four-person working group that helped develop and propose 
the 12 team college football playoff format over the last 30 months was headed by Jack Swarbrick athletic director. So Notre Dame's kind of counting cards at this point. Like they've already got, they are the house and they're playing the game. Like they, they, they designed the system that benefits them. So I just don't see how any of this changes under these current circumstances in the near future. Of course, nothing is, um, is stagnant in college sports. There's a lot of change, a lot of moving parts. And I mean, I could see a scenario from a competitive reason down the line where maybe they do say, all right, we're really hampering ourselves as far as our ability to possibly win a national championship one day. But I just don't think that day is there right now. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy your the athletics college football draft. I take the Beaches and Cream Conference mostly because it has Notre Dame in it and my alma mater <laughs> Pitt. Uh, but I did find your reason to to pick go with your Stars and Stripe Conference very funny. I, d- I did enjoy that as well. Um, although I know you probably wish you could have gotten Notre Dame in that. How much fun was it to do that draft? <laughs> It was a lot of fun just because it's, it's different, right? We, we think of conferences and power and strength based on factors that are, are kind of grandfathered in. Like a lot of people would say like, well, why is Vanderbilt in the SEC, right? Like they're not, they don't really fit their um, identity wise, although they definitely lift the conference GPA up a lot. So I think the SEC is happy to have them there. And I think the other coaches are happy to have them there as an easy win every, every year or so. But um, it was interesting because I think, and I'm sure you saw this with the way we all drafted, all of us Mm -hmm. had different priorities and different techniques, because I think when it's wide open like that, you're trying to pitch the best possible product to not just a viewing audience, but to the television partners that are eventually going to purchase and distribute it. And for me, that was to just get the biggest brand names possible in the widest disparity of geographic regions as possible, which is why I called it the Stars and Stripes Conference. Um, you know, I had USC on one coast. I had Navy, Boston College, and Duke on the other coast in Virginia. UCF, which is a huge school, albeit a group of five school. Um, Indiana, which has one of the biggest alumni bases in the entire country. So I tried to go a little bit everywhere, and I tried to get um, athletic departments and schools that were strong academically and had pretty strong Olympics so that you didn't have to worry too much about um, people caring outside of football season and about travel issues for sports that people otherwise wouldn't care about if they weren't that good at it. So that was my philosophy. It was definitely fun to do. It was interesting to see the different approaches and philosophies that everyone took. Um, I'm happy with what I landed with. Personally, I may be a little bit biased, <laughs> but it was definitely fun. It was fun. It was different. I couldn't believe I got Michigan as late as I did at the end of the first round. Um, and, and, and it's fun. And I think, you know, hopefully it gives the reader maybe an idea or a different idea of why this conference would want that team and so forth. Because at the end of the day, the school that's really setting all this off right now, Texas, hasn't won anything on the football field in over a decade. Man. And they're still the most valuable property out there. And that's why uh, the world, the college sports world, as we know, it, is kind of skidding off the rails a little bit right now. I didn't realize UCF is the largest university in America, um, which is crazy. I think t- Texas A&M, they go back and forth, and Ohio State's not far behind. But UCF, man, it's a big school. Uh, let's, let's switch gears to name, image, likeness. Um, 
I remember seeing the story of this South Lake Carroll quarterback that was skipping his senior year to enroll at Ohio State. And I just couldn't believe it. Quinn Ewers, just like, okay, I'm not even going to finishing high school because I've got this awesome NIL contract now and I'm out. Like this is going to change not just college sports, but now high school. And I wonder if when you read that, if how crazy you think this will end up being for sports and determining what school top athletes will think about going to, but how will schools recruit? Because really now you're not just saying, hey, look at our school. You've got to tell them what kind of deals they can get and how much they'll be on television to make that deal worthy. Yeah, it's crazy right now because there's no real legislation or governance. I mean, a handful of states passed state ordinances. There's no federal law in the NCAA, which spent God knows how much money in legal fees and how much time over the years trying to fight this from ever happening. Basically said, all right, on July 1st, like, do whatever you want, essentially. I mean, and that's put a tremendous amount of strain on athletic departments who are trying to figure out what they their, their student athletes can and can't do, whether it's you know, related to um, a gambling company or something with, with sex or, you know, or, or religion or a apparel company that is a competitive rival of the apparel company that the school's already signed with. So um, there's a lot of loose ends that a lot of people are still trying to tie up and have made for an incredibly busy summer country. The Quinn Ewers thing was interesting because like, this isn't just a random high school player making a lot of money and going to Ohio state early. I mean, I, you know, he did not win the starting job at Ohio state. That's not surprising. It's Ohio state. They are loaded at every position, especially quarterback CJ Stroud will take the first snap for them Thursday night in Minnesota. Uh, but when yours is a Texas high school legend in Texas high school football and the chance to win a state championship in Texas is, I mean, to those people, that's, that's bigger than a college championship. In a lot of ways. I mean, tech, we all know Friday night lights, all the, all the, the, the lore and legacy of Texas high school football and to have one of them on his high school career at the 11th hour. And I don't, I personally don't blame him. Um, that's a jolt to the system. That's a shock to the system. And it wouldn't surprise me, at least in that state, if they figure out a way to keep that talent in for in state for all four years by amending whatever law or rule there was on the books that would not permit when you were, to benefit off his name, image, and likeness. Because as you said, we saw a lot of possible scenarios unfolding at the college level with NIL. Um, I'm not sure I saw the Texas high school state championship race being upended a week before the season starts because of this role. Yeah, I mean, I think he's there. Yahoo Sports, so I guess, was reporting he may get up to $1 million in endorsements from this Texas-based holy kombucha. I just... <laughs> This is this is just crazy. And, you know, you think about not just football, even in basketball, if you look at, you know, uh, LeBron James's son, Shaq's son, Dwayne Wade's son, and, and I'm only naming them because they inherently come with some sort of uh, an audience because of who their dads are. You know, I mean, heck, I mean, why even go to college? And I think it's but it's a different way of saying okay, I don't need school and I can earn money another way. And I think name image likeness is going to be the wild, wild west. And, and I don't know if we're all, any of us are ready for what's going to happen next. Yeah, I mean, they're already doing that in basketball. I mean, a lot of the top high school prospects 
winter and not playing college basketball. And when they do, they're there for three months and they're gone. And there's very little connection developed between fan base, school, and prospect. I mean, watching the NBA draft a couple of weeks ago, I had to look a lot of these guys, top draft picks up, or at least first round picks up. Like, like oh yeah, he played there. I, I forgot about him this season. Or, or why didn't he go there? And we're seeing that more and more. I mean, I don't think, I think when you're that talented, at least in a sport where one person can have such a great effect the way you can in basketball, one on five, um, in some ways it doesn't matter what school you go to. Like, you got to go somewhere before you go to the NBA. So you're going to go wherever you want. You're going to lift the profile of that school for a couple of months, and then you're going to go get paid. Uh, that that's the, the way of business right now in the sport of basketball and football. Obviously it's different because there are more factors. It's a lot less of a sure thing out of high school than it is in basketball. Um, and you don't know if and when you're going to play it all in football. Um, I do think though, you know, I think this will level out. I think eventually the market will dictate what people are worth. Um, I think it's not a coincidence that Nick Saban threw it out there that his yet to start quarterback Bryce Young is fielding million dollar offers because if you're interested in Alabama as a high school recruit right now, specifically a quarterback, you're thinking to yourself, wow, that guy's getting a million dollars without even playing yet. That's how strong the Alabama brand is. I'm going to go there. Um, So Saban (laughs) always knows what he's doing in that regard, um, whether Bryce Young lives up to the hype or not. Uh, But, but other things, whether it's uh, the, I think it was a BYU walk-ons all got a joint scholarship from a local business or mm-hmm. Miami has uh, the entire roster uh, signing a $500 a month deal to um, endorse a, a famous fans gym. Um, mm-hmm. We'll mm-hmm. see how this plays out. I mean, a lot of these guys, these businessmen, businesswomen, they didn't get rich by being stupid and they're not going to lose their riches by being stupid. They're, they're going to, find smart strategic deals that fit their business profile and that they think will ultimately benefit them. And I think ultimately that's going to be the case. I think it's a lot less about the number of dollars floating around than it is the freedom and, and kind of deregulation of allowing these guys to do what they couldn't do in the past. Um, Yoke Gaming, um, run by a couple of Notre Dame graduates out here in Chicago, basically uh, it's like a cameo for video games. They organize, they sign on athletes to play video games with fans for, you know, $3 a thing or whatever it is. And they think, sign, I think, more athletes than anyone on July 1st. Because guess what you do in college? You play video games and you play with strangers on the internet. And now you can get paid a little bit to do it, even if it's not going to fat in your pockets and make you rich. It's just the principle that matters. So I think there's going to be a lot more deals kind of like that than there are any kind of game changing recruit changing value propositions, but time will tell. It's definitely a. Yeah. Very definitely interesting. I remembered uh, working on a piece with Marco Fultz a few couple of years ago and he was playing basketball and some, you know, some just random people online were, you know, when he signed on, they all ran over to his court for this street basketball game. They were so excited to be playing with them on video games and afterwards watching and listening to all of the people say, Oh man, thanks Markel. It's fun playing with you. You know, I wish you the best. Um, you know, I'm a be an Orlando magic fan now. Like that was weird to hear it and have the excitement in their voices just because they are playing a video game with Markel Fultz. So you're, they are right on to something and it's, it's a new wave. Thank you, Matt. I really appreciate it. Anytime, my friend. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. All right. I want to thank Matt Fortuna 
of The Athletic for joining me, college football writer for The Athletic. You can check out his work at The Athletic. He also does a great podcast about Notre Dame football, so you know I had to bring that up, right? Yeah, but you can check out his also uh, Shamrock podcast. The Shamrock, it's everything Notre Dame. Love him or hate him, I still love Notre Dame. I really do. I just want football to join the ACC, and then I feel like the conference is complete, so I keep harping on it. I feel like every time we talk about it, but that's his beat. College football and Notre Dame. So, it was great to talk to him. Lastly, as I have been watching Premier League soccer, and PSG is overjoyed with over 2 million viewers in Spain watching Lionel Messi's debut with PSG. That's Paris Saint-Germain. It was the most watched French football game ever in Spain. He brings the numbers. He left Barcelona, Barca, to join PSG. Neymar's on the team. Mbappe's on the team. I mean, that's like the big three in basketball. LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. In total, the numbers reported on ESPN were that over 6.7 million people tune in to watch PSG's win at some point in the 90 minutes. It's going to be crazy. And to think that also Manchester United, I'm curious what those numbers will be like when Cristiano Ronaldo debuts for them again. You probably never thought you'd see Ronaldo and Messi change teams in the same year. It's just wild. The two best players arguably ever in their sport change teams. And now the pressure's on even more to see them win. And we'll see if they can do it. We'll see if they can do it. We'll also see if Novak Djokovic can complete the career Grand Slam, only the second player ever behind Rod Laver to do it. And as the U.S. Open starts today, it's the beginning of Novak Djokovic's chance to not just make history because he would be the second player on the men's side ever to win the Grand Slam, but to think that it would be him really starting to separate himself from Rafa Nadal and, no and Roger Federer, that Novak Djokovic is going to be the greatest male tennis player of all time. Now, right now, you know, you've seen online Maybe you've seen it on Twitter or read articles about how, how right now, well, Serena Williams is really the greatest ever. But the thing is, Novak Djokovic is not far from Serena. Serena's got 23. Novak Djokovic, if Serena doesn't win another title, and Novak's got some years left, he's in the prime of his career. Serena's been injured a lot. She had to pull out of the U.S. Open. Who knows if she will ever get back 
to another Grand Slam final again. But I see Novak winning another five or six Grand Slam titles, and he will become the greatest of all time. He's favored at minus 145. Well, certainly you aren't getting much if you pick him to win. There's no doubt about that. Put out a dollar to win 68 cents. No thank you. So then I'm looking at what other players could do it. And I was thinking, and I actually tweeted this out, Yannick Sinner. At plus 2,800, I've got him as a sleeper on the men's side. And on the women's side, Belinda Bencic. Those are my sleepers. We'll see how they do. We'll see how they do. Now you ask him why I'm picking them. Got to listen to Thursday's podcast with Ava Wallace. That'll do it for Just for Sport. Enjoy your week of sports. It's College football is underway. The NFL season is about to start on Thursday. we got the U.S. Open starting today. I know I'm going to enjoy it. I hope you do too. Ciao for now.